Today's Bible reading comes from Matthew chapters 19 and 20, and uh, this is God's Word, starting at verse 16 of chapter 19. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. And love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon, and about three in the afternoon, and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. 
When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Well, good morning. It's really good to be back with you again after what's been, I guess, two and a half years, something like that. And uh, it's, it's a real privilege to renew fellowship. So thanks very much for inviting me this morning. Thank you to Joanna for leading so helpfully. And we enjoyed, I enjoyed these wonderful songs about the grace of God. And uh, it's a real joy, isn't it, to praise our Savior and to praise our Heavenly Father uh, for all he's done for us. He's done for us. So then, if you'd have your Bibles open at uh, Matthew chapter uh, 19 and 20. We're looking today at the parable of the workers in the vineyard as you continue your series in Jesus's parables. And perhaps by this stage you'll be getting a little bit of a sense of of how parables work and the kinds of stories Jesus tells. Well then as we turn to God's word I want to start with a a thought really that um, three little words. It's not fair. When did you last hear those words? Well, if you've got children or or perhaps teenagers this morning, it might well have been from them, I guess. Maybe it was even today. At some point when, well, you didn't give them or do for them what they thought they deserved. But when did you say those words yourself? It's not fair. When did you last say that? When did you last fail to get what you think you deserved? I wonder if you've ever been actually rather like the the workers in in this parable. You know, you found out perhaps that, that one of your colleagues was being paid more than you. And inevitably it was the one who always seems to come in late and has long coffee breaks and doesn't seem to do a great deal. And somehow or other you've heard that they got earned more than you do. It's not fair, is it? That's what we think. It was one of the hazards of being an accountant for many years is that you got to see quite a lot of what a lot of people earned. And, and kind of our, our, our inquisitive sort of nature makes us think well, that's a good thing. But actually what you often end up seeing is that, well, does that person get paid so much and they don't do anything it's just not fair and I guess there's lots of other circumstances in life aren't there where we say the same thing you know we've got that strong sense haven't we We were brought up with a strong sense that we ought to get what we deserve and actually often what I feel I deserve is quite a lot and we think that other people ought to get what they deserve too and and sometimes, well, that's, that's rather less, isn't it? But we do have this strong sense of justice. I ought to get what I have earned, what's rightly due to me. But I wonder if we also think the same way in the church. I wonder if, if we think the same way about the kingdom of God. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on this parable, tells the, the story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, 
you might have heard of Jeffrey Dahmer. He was a, a, a notorious serial killer in America in the 80s and, and into the early 90s. His story is told, I think, reasonably often in, in sermons probably because he was a, a man who committed crimes against the men he murdered that are just too horrible to, to want to hear on a Sunday morning. But after he went to prison for 15 murders, a pastor started visiting him. And in time, he came to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and he made a public profession of faith. And as far as we know, he came to trust the Lord. But not long after that happened, he was murdered in prison. So here's a man who committed some of the most horrific crimes imaginable and lived a life of evil. And he trusted in Jesus and then shortly afterwards he died. He didn't have much chance to do anything good, to serve in any significant way. Now because of God's grace, we must believe that that man will be in the new heavens and the new earth with us. What do you honestly think of that? Are you tempted, even just a little bit, to say, that's not fair? Does his salvation not seem somewhat unjust? This vile killer, alongside all of the greatest saints in his of history, alongside us, how do you feel about worshipping God with him? And that really lands us at the very heart of the issue of this passage. Do we understand, do we really understand the grace of God? Well, I've got three points this morning as we come and look at God's word. Then and the first one is this, the grace of God misunderstood. The grace of God misunderstood. You see, I, I want, we need to look, rather, at the, the context of the parable, first of all. That's why we had the, the latter part of uh, Matthew chapter 19 read to us. That sets the context, and the context is one of people who don't understand grace. We, we read, first of all, of, a, of a, a, a young man, a rich young man, coming to Jesus. And he comes and he asks this very revealing question. Uh, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? You notice the important word there in verse 16, or two words. What good deed must I do? How can I earn eternal life? That's really what he's saying. And Jesus said, well, there's only one who's good, God. Uh, and if you wanted to earn eternal life, well, you'd have to keep every single one of the commandments. And we hear that and we think, well, of course, no one can do that. But this man doesn't think that way. He says, I've done all that since I was a boy. Well, then, says Jesus, do this. Give away all of your, or rather sell all of your goods and give the money to the poor. And then come and follow me. And the man goes away sad because he's got a lot of money. And really, that's his idol. And if he has to choose between that and following Jesus, he chooses the money. But he wanted, you see, to do a good deed, to ensure access to the kingdom, to get eternal life. He goes away tragically disappointed because he doesn't understand grace. Now the disciples are amazed by this. This upright man, if he can't be saved, what hope is there for anyone? 
And a little bit later, Peter speaks up, and, and actually Peter here shows us that he doesn't quite get it either. See, he says in verse 27, we've left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? What will we have? I guess what he's picked up from what Jesus has said is that, you know, we get what we, our reward that we'll get depends on what we've given up, what we've sacrificed. He imagines too that eternal life needs to be earned. Now Jesus understands, of course, he knows that, that Peter is confused here, but Peter is a faithful follower of Jesus and he trusts him. So he's not harsh to him. And he says, well, yes, there will be a reward for you, Peter. And for anyone who's given up things following me, there, you will inherit eternal life. But there is a, a caution here, too. There's an important principle that Peter needs to be aware of. So Jesus finishes chapter 19, actually as he finishes our parable, although it's slightly switched around. Verse 30, many who are first will be last, and the last first. The idea that we don't earn eternal life is difficult for Peter to get his head round. And if it's difficult for him... Well, it might well be difficult for us too, even if we've been trusting Jesus for many years. We cannot think, we should not think in the kingdom of God of who is first and who is last based on what we've done. Because grace isn't about that. It's about God giving us what we don't deserve, as we've been singing about. That's what this parable is all about. Now, just as a, an important side point here, I know that the, the New Testament does teach that there are degrees of reward in heaven. But it's still not really earning. And it's not what this parable is about. There are other places that teach that. So that's the first thing, misunderstanding grace. Is it possible that we are misunderstanding grace? Secondly, then, the grace of God to those who are last the grace of God to those who are last. Well, let's move into chapter 20 and into the parable itself. Uh, the setting here would have been very familiar to the people listening. And of course, that's true of many of Jesus' parables. He paints very familiar pictures for first century Jewish people. And he tells a story that they would be very sort of comfortable with and they'd understand. And then there's often a twist, isn't there? He reverses their expectations and makes a powerful point, And that's just what's going on here. So it's the time of... Type of the, it's the time of the grace, I can't talk, it's the time of the grape harvest. The owner of a vineyard needs people to go out and pick all his grapes as quickly as possible and get them gathered in. Now he doesn't have enough people permanently employed to do this and, and probably that it wouldn't make sense for him to do so. So he goes out to the marketplace and he employs casual labourers to do the work and get it all done. Now these, uh, these labourers would have been people who would have almost certainly lived very much hand to mouth. They needed to get work each day in order to feed their families the, the next day. Otherwise, they were in difficulty. Pretty insecure existence, that, isn't it? A pretty uncertain one. And so the master comes along first thing in the morning. It would have been about 6 a.m., and uh, it's the beginning of the day and there's the, there are all the people are there and he comes and takes however many men he wants to come and work in his vineyard. And he says, I will pay you a, a denarius, one denarius for your day's work. 
And the men, they're very happy because they've got work. And, and a denarius was about the fair wage for a, a worker. So they're, they're very pleased. We've got work today and we're going to get paid fairly. My family's going to be fed. And then the, the man realizes, the owner realizes that as the day goes on, he needs more workers. So he comes back at 9 a.m. and he comes back at 12 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. And each time he hires more people and brings them in and promises to pay them what's fair. Then he comes back at the 11th hour at 5 p.m., just an hour before the end of the working day. And he sees some men standing there still. And he goes up to them and says, well, why have you been standing there doing nothing all day? And they say, well, nobody hired us. And uh, I don't know about you, but that reminds me of doing sport at school or at youth club. I, I always enjoyed it, but I was pretty dreadful. And uh, I was usually one of the last one or two to be picked. And it sort of hurts your pride and it's a bit miserable. But of course, this was worse than that, because not only was it that, but also for these people, how am I going to feed the children tomorrow? You know, that was the real issue. So when the man comes along, he comes up to them. Yes, I know it's five o'clock, but I need some more people just to get the work finished. Come, come and work in the vineyard and, and I'll pay you what's fair. And they're delighted. Well, maybe we're not going to get very much money, but we'll get a little bit and, and that will help. At least we'll be able to buy some food. Better than nothing. Okay, it all sort of makes sense so far. But then the end of the day comes and all the workers gather to be paid. And strangely... The ones hired last, well, they get called forward first by the, the, by the, the, the steward who's doing the, the paying. So that they come in front of everybody else with everyone watching and they get paid a whole denarius, a whole day's salary for working one hour. And they're delighted, of course they are. They're amazed. We can buy everything we need for tomorrow. We worked one hour and we got paid 12. Proper dinner tonight. They weren't expecting that. And Jesus' listeners, well, they're not expecting that either. Why would an employer do that? It doesn't make sense, does it? It's not commercial sense. But of course, this parable is not a, a, a set of principles for good business practice. This is a story about the kingdom of God. That's how verse, chapter 20, verse 1 starts, doesn't it? For the kingdom of heaven is like a, an owner of a vineyard, a master of a house. The kingdom of God, you see, is different. God, the owner, is generous. He tells us that in verse 15. And he's gracious. He doesn't give his workers what they deserve doesn't give his people what they deserve, but he gives to them from his riches because he loves to do so. The last shall be first. The least likely Christians receive all of the blessings of eternal life, along with those Christians, those believers who we think of as the very best. The followers of Jesus included prostitutes, tax collectors, the worst kinds of sinners in the eyes of that society. There were also lepers who'd been healed and the demon possessed who'd had the demons cast out. There were Gentiles, outsiders, the people, again, who were the least in the eyes of the Jews. But these people don't get second-class eternal life. They don't get less. 
than the synagogue rulers who come in faith. They get all of the blessings of eternal life with Jesus just the same. And what an encouragement that is, isn't it? What an encouragement that is for those of us who feel that we are the least, the weakest, the least capable. Perhaps you see the great sacrifices that others have made, people who've served in mission and given up everything, it seems, for Jesus. And you feel, well, you haven't given that much and you don't feel you've got that much to give. You don't match up. Be encouraged, friends. Your salvation is by grace, not because of your sacrifice. Keep on serving faithfully in the task that God has given you. Well, perhaps you look at your gifts and they're very modest, you think. I don't have the capability to do all of the things that some other people are able to do for the Lord. Some people just seem to be able to do everything and they're very effective and they're very, you know, we, we notice them, how great they're able to, how greatly they're able to serve because of the gifts they have. But friends, it's not about your gifting. Don't feel like you're the last in line. It's about grace. The last shall be first. Perhaps someone here, well, you became a Christian later on in life. And you've got relatively few years to serve the Lord. And perhaps you don't have the energy you would have had when you were younger. You are no less favoured. No less favoured by God than the person who came, became a Christian at the age of seven. And has been involved in the church all of their lives. God delights to give you full pay. A full pay. He does. Do you believe that? Maybe in your life you've drifted from the Lord for a long time. Or perhaps you've fallen into serious sin. And now you're back. And you're grateful that God has forgiven you and restored you. But you still don't feel like you're going to match up. You still feel guilt. You still have this sense that when it comes to the new heavens and the earth, when it comes to heaven, somehow you'll be the one sat at the back, looked down on a bit, feeling inadequate, not as good as the others. Oh, friends, that's not true. You are forgiven. You, are, you inherit eternal life, not on the basis of your own performance, not at all, but on the basis of the work of Jesus Eternal life is based on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You receive all of God's uh, blessings through him. His perfect life lived for you. His sacrificial death on the cross for you. His resurrection for you. God chose to save you. And he did all that was necessary to achieve it and to earn eternal life for you. That's grace, you see. There's no first and last based on performance. Only there's God who gives us eternal life. Now, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, you've not yet trusted in Jesus, perhaps you've held back because you think, well, I'm too bad. I don't have the standard of life that these Christians have. I'm too sinful for Jesus. Perhaps you think, well, I don't have useful things that I could do in the church and I'm just never going to measure up. 
Oh, friends, come then. Come and understand grace. You see, no one is too bad. If Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't too bad and God saved him and he's in heaven today looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth to come, when then you are most certainly not too bad either. Whatever you've done, however you've fallen, whatever your life looks like, he can do the same for you this morning if only you will come and put your faith in him today. And he will welcome you into his vineyard, into his church, to serve him, to rejoice in his grace, and to look forward to eternal life. Come, come to Jesus today, won't you? He's done it all. Well, we saw the grace of God misunderstood. We've seen wonderfully the grace of God to those who are last. So then let's come on to the grace of God for those who are First, the grace of God for those who are first, or perhaps those who attempted to think that they're first. You see, Jesus told his Jesus told this parable especially to those who think they are the first, who perhaps are tempted to think they're the best in the kingdom of God. This parable is for Peter when he wants to tell us just how much he's given up. It's for James and John a little bit later in Matthew chapter 20 when they send their mother to Jesus to to, to ask if they can have the best seats either side of Jesus in the kingdom to come. Surely we've earned that, haven't we? We've been special people. We've been special servants. We've been close to Jesus. Don't we deserve something special? It's to us. When we start to lose sight of the fact that we are in the kingdom of God by grace alone and we think We start to think that we deserve our reward from God. So back in the parable then, the workers who started at 6am, well they've been watching the latecomers get paid their denarius and they've been rubbing their hands, haven't they? They've got a whole day's pay, those workers. They only did an hour. Well, hang on a minute. I did 12 hours. Maybe we'll get 12 denarii. That would be fair, wouldn't it? Twelve days pay for just working one day. We can have some time off. We can put some money aside. There's so much we can do. That will be fair. That's what we've earned, isn't it? But their turn comes. And the parable becomes even more shocking. One denarius for you, two. The same as those latecomers who stood around all day. And they're not happy. Not at all. In fact, they're so unhappy that they, they go to the owner, uh, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the master, and they, they grumble and they complain. These layabouts, they've only worked one hour. They did the easy work at the end of the day when it was nice and cool, and they've had one denarius. We worked right through the hottest part of the day, and you've made them equal to us. We've got a denarius too. It's not fair. We deserve more. Just imagine it, can't you? Can imagine that being me? It's easy for us as Christians, Christians saved by grace through faith, to slip into thinking that we've earned our reward from God. Because that's the way our world works, isn't it? We get what we earn, what we deserve. The thing is, as soon as we bring that way of thinking into the church, into the kingdom of God, we find ourselves in danger of judging others, in danger of looking down on others. Haven't I been a good, faithful servant? I've worked so hard for God. I deserve reward from God. Not like those other 
people. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer, of course, is the extreme example, isn't he? But he's a good test. Do you recoil at the idea of someone like him in heaven? And what if a converted killer or child abuser serves their time and they come in on Sunday morning and they sit next to you in church? What do you feel? I don't want that kind of person here. Surely they can't be a Christian. What about the person who's always struggled with addiction? And there are lots of people like this, aren't they? And they, they've become, they come to know the Lord, but it's still a hard battle. And, and, and sometimes they come in on a Sunday and they sit next to you and you can smell the alcohol. And they, they, they perhaps haven't got themselves up and washed properly. And I don't want to be near them. I'm better than them. That's, that's not what you say, but it's sort of what you feel. It's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to do. Or maybe you've been faithful in your service to God since you were a child and you've always worked hard. You've given lots of money. These are good things. Perhaps you've turned down a promotion at work at some point to give more time to serve the church. Well, that's a good thing to do. But the thing is, as time's gone on, you've just noticed how many other people don't seem quite so committed. And maybe you start to feel a bit bitter. Surely I deserve more than them. Perhaps you've stuck by the church in really difficult times when other people have been moving on to find somewhere easier. Maybe you've known a lot of struggle and difficulty in your life. You, you, you really feel as though like these workers that you've served in the tough heat of the day. And there have been problems in your family and, and problems in your health and difficulties all around you. But you've kept going. You've stuck at it. I've really earned my eternal life. I deserve more. I guess we'd never say those words. We'd maybe not even think the words as such. But sometimes a bitterness forms in our hearts. Because we've got grace wrong. So what does this parable then say to us if we find ourselves thinking like this? Well, let's listen to the, the master's response. So a representative comes up and, and makes the complaint known. And, and, the, and the, the master, the owner, responds. And, and I've broken it down a little bit into three chunks. So firstly, verse 13, he says this, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did I not agree with you for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. You've earned it. So the master was fair. These men got what they were promised for their labor. And actually, they were rather privileged. Lots of people in the marketplace. And they were picked up early and they've been able to work for a full day with a certainty of getting their income, haven't they? They didn't spend the time standing around whether, wondering whether anyone wanted them. And if that's true, well, God is infinitely more than fair to every single one of his children. You have eternal life. You and I can't even really imagine how wonderful that will be. And you know, if you came to know Jesus early in your life, or perhaps if you've had lots of opportunities to serve him and trust him, as tough as that's been, well, let me tell you, actually, that is a privilege. What was the alternative? Being really limited in your service. 
spending many years wasting them and only finding out the truth later. It's a privilege. It is. Even when it's tough. And the master goes on. I choose to give to this last worker just as I've given to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And this is a deeply, deeply humbling lesson. Every time we hear it, isn't it? God gives eternal life to whom he wants to give it to. None of us deserve eternal life. None of us deserve forgiveness and relationship with God. Just as the owner's money was his to do with as he pleased, so God's saving grace is his to give out as he chooses. And the wonder is that he gives it out extravagantly and generously. And if you've received it, it's his extravagant kindness to you. We were lost sinners without hope. Under his condemnation, facing the judgment of hell. And yet... He's brought us freely, wonderfully into his kingdom and freely, wonderfully given us eternal life. And that will be extraordinary. Friends, if we've sacrificed, we'll get back infinitely more. But it's not earned. It's grace. Remember the famous verse from Romans. The wages of sin is death. The moment we say, give me what I've earned, that's the answer. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We don't want what we deserve. We want what God has given us through Jesus. We do. And then the last thing he says, well, the penultimate thing. Or do you begrudge me my generosity? At least that's how it is in my translation. Uh, When we imagine we are better than others, you see, that's what we are doing. Those people we get frustrated with, those people we're tempted to look down on and think we're better than. Well, God has been gracious to them. He's been generous to them just as he has been to you. It's not about getting what you earn. Once again, it's about grace. It's about God's generosity. So friends, don't become grumblers. It's ever so easy to do that. It's ever so tempting. Don't think that you are the first. Because the first will be last. We need to be humble, you see. That's the kingdom principle. We must see that we are all really the last. We're all really the lowest. The kingdom of God doesn't work on getting what we've earned. It works on and relies on God's generosity. And God delights to save unlikely people. The very fact that a man like Jeffrey Dahmer, or the thief who died next to Jesus repenting in his final hours, the very fact that they can have eternal life is a wonderful demonstration of the grace and goodness of God, isn't it? Because there's no way those men did anything at all to earn anything from God. You couldn't possibly make any kind of case to say that they earned their eternal life. So much so that someone coming from it without really understanding the gospel is going to say that's not fair. But that is precisely the point. It's not about fairness. It's about the grace and the goodness of God who rejoices to save those who do not deserve it, who have not earned it, who cannot earn it. 
And often he even saves those who are the very lowest and the very least and the very weakest and the most insignificant in the eyes of the world. He does it for his glory and for our good. You see, for these men, as for each one of us who's trusted in Jesus, Jesus died to bear his sin and he is cleansed. He lived the life that he failed to live, that I failed to live. And therefore we are counted righteous in, G- in God's sight. When such an obviously sinful person receives God's grace, it's something to praise God for because it glorifies God. And when we remember that we are such serious sinners too, even if it doesn't look so obvious, yet we've rejected God in our hearts, haven't we? And we've gone our own way. And that is deadly serious. When we grasp that again, we'll be amazed, just as amazed by his grace to us. So then, whether we think of ourselves as the first or the last, the strongest or the weakest, let's praise God together that he has given every single one of us who's come to Jesus in faith the gift of eternal life. And it's all because of Jesus. We need no fear, friends. We we need not to have that sense that we're inferior to others here today. We need no bitterness. Just joy. Let's come in joy. Let's come with wonder at the goodness, the grace of God. Look what he has done for you. Look what he has given to you. Eternal life. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of this parable. They both encourage us and they challenge us. Your word opens up our hearts, reveals everything that we might see what's there. We thank you so much that you don't give us what we've earned. You don't give us, in a sense, what's fair. But if we've trusted in Jesus through the wonderful grace of God, by the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We receive eternal life. We are brought into your family, into your kingdom, and we're given the immense privilege of serving you in this world. We pray for anyone here who doesn't yet know that wonderful grace, that you would bring them to yourself this morning, and you would help us who have trusted in Jesus to rejoice in the grace that we have and serve our loving Master, knowing that everything we get is because of him. Bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.